Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrett, and today's guest is Natasha Nazari. Natasha is a language instructor and indie iOS developer living in Taipei. Welcome to the show, Natasha. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. So how's it going? I'm good. A little tired, but I'm good. Why are you so tired? What's going on? Because it's about 1230 here. <laughs> That's right. You're in Taipei. Yeah, I've been working all day. I did a about a 15-hour workday today. So. Wow. Yeah. I think you're the furthest away from from me, you know, that any guest has ever been um, so far on the show. I mean, I don't really know where Taipei is, but it sounds really far away. <laughs> Taipei is in Taiwan. Okay. Um, it's an absolutely wonderful city. It's probably my favorite city. Um, I've only lived in, you know, four cities in my life, so I don't have like a large sample of places I've been, but... It's so far. It's my favorite city, definitely. It's great public you... transportation, like excellent healthcare. People are super nice. It's easy to get around. Food is great. So I want to I want to get into how how you got there. You know how you ended up into Taipei. But let let's save that. I want to kind of go uh, just kind of get to how we met. Which technically I don't know how we met. We've never met in person. Um, but no. we met somehow on Twitter. Yes. I, it has to probably, you know, somebody retweeted you or you retweeted somebody. And, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, trying to find more female iOS developers. Mm -hmm. You're the first female iOS developer I've, you know, interviewed and I'm really excited about that. I'm trying to find more. So maybe it also had something to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I know we never met, but it, but it's great to finally talk to you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to this uh, conversation. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm excited too. So what are you up to right now? What are you working on? You're in Taipei. Actually, let me read your Twitter, Twitter bio, which I really like it. It says, linguist and iOS developer, student at Free Code Camp, organizer, Tech Taipei, perfecting Russian, I think that is, yes. Espanol, um, Japanese, Chinese, I'm not sure. Nihongo, so Ni Japanese. Nihongo, <laughs> okay, and learning Persian. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have at kanji circle and at Russian Q&A, Taipei, Taiwan, incrementalistblog.wordpress.com. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow, you, what aren't you doing? And <laughs> so what, what are you up to I'm right not now? having is... a social life. <laughs> That's oh, for no. sure. Well, we're we're, we're uh, socializing right now, so that's good. Yes. Yeah. So what what are you up to right now? What is all that stuff? Um. So today, um, I built a small app called Language Hunt, and it's basically like a do-it-yourself dictionary. Um, it sends users notifications and encourages them to be sort of proactive in their own language learning and find and translate phrases and words. So that's a tiny little app that I'm working on. And then there's also, of course, Kanji Circle, which I know a lot of people want to be released 
as soon as possible. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of messages on Twitter like, when is it going to be released? But that's an app to teach people、um, Japanese kanji. It's also pretty basic. And then there's my big project, which is Russian QA, and that's sort of aiming to replace teachers. Um, to where you start from the first lesson and once you end, you're conversationally fluent in, in Russian. And other than that,、um, trying to push up to full fluency in Spanish and learning Persian, of course, and teaching. Cool. So you're working on a lot of language related,、uh, I mean, you're learning a lot of languages, but then at the same time, you're translating, you're like using that interest in language. In languages to also learn iOS development, which you know, uses a, a type of language.、Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how did you end up doing that? Where does that kind of come from? So maybe your interest in languages c o m e first, and then you realize, hey, I can apply. I mean, I'm a student of language, and I, see, I don't like what I'm seeing out there in terms of educational materials. Maybe I can create some software to help other people learn. Is that sort of what happened, or how, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, it was completely unplanned. It's basically like, you know, 10 to 12 months ago. Like everyone else who self studies languages, I was using, you know, things like Duolingo or Babbel or all these sort of online resources or apps. And, and I was teaching at the same time, and I was realizing that、um, the techniques that a lot of the main apps use are very ineffective.、Um, So there was that kind of irritation. And then, you know, I, I wanted to start learning Russian and I went on the app store to try to find a Russian language app and I couldn't find one that I liked. And at the time, Duolingo hadn't released、uh, their Russian course. So, you know, I just decided, well, let me give myself a few weeks to learn Russian and then maybe I'll just build my own.、Um, and so, I gave myself three weeks to learn Russian and then I started getting into iOS development.、Um, and yeah, I, I fell in love with it. I wasn't really planning on, on starting a, a kind of second career as a developer. So, is that Russian QA? Is that the first app you started working on? Yes. So, because of this interest in learning language, because of like the absence of What you, figure, what you thought of as quality or, or good you know, language learning apps, at least for your style, you thought, well, why don't I just make one? And at that point, did you know anything about programming? I mean, you just were just like, yeah, let me make one. You know, I briefly after college, I, I tried Code Academy and you know, tried to get into Python, and I just I didn't get it. And I was like, this is really boring. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't ever want to do this again. So,、um, like me and Objective C.、Hmm? It's like me and Objective C, kind of. Yeah, you know, when I, when I tell people that Objective C was the, the first programming language that I, I seriously got into, they look at me like, why? <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I started with Objective C and then Swift was released, and I was like, oh gosh. Now, I have to learn a completely different language, but once I looked at it, it looked so much easier. So I decided to sort of make the switch.、Um, but yeah,、so、I you, mean, it was the first language that I explored in depth. So you said that was in college. 
uh, did you go to college in Taipei or sort of where did your journey begin? I mean, you sound like you have an American accent, so I'm assuming you're, you're you know, grew up in, in, in the States. Yes, I'm actually from the South. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I was um, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome. Um, and unfortunately, I had to endure Catholic school <laughs> in high mm. school. And then, you know, when I, when I finished high school, I wasn't really, like, I, I didn't really want to go to college. And my parents, you know, they weren't going to make that optional. So I just decided to do sort of eeny, meeny, miny, mo with the state schools. And I, you know, ended up choosing University of West Georgia, of all places, which is out in Carrollton. And that actually turned out to be a really good experience. Um, you know, it certainly doesn't have like a national reputation or anything, but my professors were really awesome. Um but, you know, I kind of felt stuck when I was in college because I was in this really small town that, you know, didn't really have, um, I guess, a lot of culture. Right. And I had done a lot of, you know, traveling when I was younger. And so languages were always kind of in the back of my mind, but I was discouraged from a lot of my professors. Um and I actually ended up dropping my Spanish minor just because my, my professor told me I was hopeless. Um, hopeless, like you were bad at it or? Yeah, no like, like you're never, you're just, you're, you're never going to be good at this. Um, that's terrible. Yeah, well, but that's academia. I mean, there is that kind of attitude in academia. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I decided after college, um, you know, I want to do some more traveling. So I went to Prague. I got oh, my teaching Prague. certification. Yeah. I just interviewed someone from Prague. Very nice. You got to reach out to him. <laughs> He's like looking for other iOS developers that he says there's none in Prague. At least you've been there. Yeah, it's it's mostly it's definitely Android um, okay. in Prague. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I got my teaching certification there and I. I fell in love with teaching. I wasn't expecting that. Um, and then I decided, okay, well, China seems kind of cool right now. So I went to China. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Hold <laughs> on a second. Hold on a second. Okay. So you, you graduate. Yeah. Or, or, okay, so you graduate. What did you study in, actually, like, study in college? What was, like, your degree or whatever? I studied political science and English literature. And oh. I wanted to be... An international lawyer. <laughs> that was oh like my god! <laughs> That's just like me. I, I mean, know. I, I wasn't like totally thinking international lawyer, but I was thinking something international. Hmm. Like so, internet. I was, you know, and I went to law school. I, I did political science. I didn't okay. do English uh, literature. Uh, my fiance did English degree. Okay. But okay. So how similar? Interesting. Okay. So you graduate. You did. You studied political science and and, and English literature. You're thinking mm -hmm. international lawyer. So I guess I can see why you go abroad, but like you just went by yourself. Like I'm thinking, I apologize, but I'm thinking like sweet, young, you know, Southern girl from Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> and she just leaves and goes to Prague. Like, did you go by yourself? What, what was going on? Yeah, I mean. Were okay with it or? Uh, my mom, of course, was freaking out because, uh, you know, I'm her only daughter. Uh, okay. She didn't want me to leave. Um, my right. dad was actually working in Prague at the time. Perfect. 
And so I decided to kind of crash with him and he was like, you have a month and then you need to start working. <laughs> All right. I like that. So I, I definitely had a deadline and the course was only a month. Um, and after completing the course, it was pretty easy for me to find a position because it, you know, their program has such a good reputation. Um, and I was really set on, on going to China at the time because I had gone for like a little two week trip, uh, when I was in college and I loved it. And so I end up in Chongqing, which Chongqing, <laughs> Chongqing yes, Chong, Chongqing. Okay. <laughs> I've never been to China. It is in, um, the Southwest and okay. unlike Shanghai and Beijing, Shanghai. it's, Beijing. um, not it's not as developed um there aren't a lot of foreigners there and you know I went there I was like I'm gonna learn Chinese I'm gonna do all this stuff and oh it was a disaster because people in Chongqing speak Chongqinghua uh which is like um a variation on Sichuanese so they couldn't understand me with the limited amount of Mandarin I was speaking so that was just it's quite an experience. Wait, at what point <laughs> in this story did you learn Mandarin? I, I missed that. When well, did you learn I, Mandarin? I, I decided, you know, I had this very sort of false notion um, that, you know, if you go to a country, you'll learn the language faster. Okay. Um, and that's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you, if you pick a, a city where they're mostly speaking a dialect, they're not speaking the standard sort of textbook language that everyone is going to learn. Right. Um, and that was quite an experience because absolutely no one um, who was living in the sort of little mountain town I was in could speak English. And they couldn't understand me when I spoke Mandarin. And you didn't have like a book on their dialect or anything like that. Right. I mean, there there aren't a lot of resources for that. So I stayed there for six months. And what? then how did you do that? <laughs> I, I don't know, even you... remember. It's like a complete blur. At oh some point, God. I'll have to go back to mainland China. It is a very I mean, it's it's a kick in the face. Definitely. What um, did you do there for six months? Not being able to really communicate with people. Um. You know, of course, I was teaching my English classes and, oh, okay. and okay. you know, I was only allowed to speak English. And okay. a lot of those students were reprimanded for, um, you know, speaking Chinese in class. So there was at least that. But none okay. of the, the sort of teaching assistants spoke any English. So I was definitely pretty isolated. And, you know, I had 60 students in each class and I had 22 classes. And wow. It was wow. a very overwhelming experience. Um, I'm glad I did it. I mean, I wanted something that was different from the United States, but then I decided, you know, I need to relax. <laughs> so I went back to Prague, um, stayed there for a year. And then finally I was kind of like itching to get back to studying Chinese. And I decided, you know, maybe I should pick like a bigger city and I wanted to be outside of mainland China. So, um, I, I chose Taipei. Oh, sorry. I was just taking a little drink of my morning tea right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so while you were just kind of finishing up that last sentence, I was thinking to myself, 
why languages? Like why Chinese? Why? You know, what? What? When did this happen? When did you decide that you wanted to learn different languages? You said you were learning Spanish in college. Mm-hmm. What? Why is that? You know, I read a lot of adventure books when I was a child, <laughs> and I think I took the Jason Bourne books a little too seriously <laughs> as okay. as a teenager. So I had this sort of idealistic notion in my head that in order to be like a sort of modern cultured person, you would have to be multilingual. And of course, when my dad remarried, he was remarried to like a Lebanese French woman. Uh, and so I was hearing French in my house a lot. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of like, it's like an identity thing for me. It's like something I, I have to do um, right. in order to feel educated, I guess. Okay. So you you're, go, go back to Prague. You live there for a year. You decide you want to move to Taipei, mm-hmm. and you do. And then that brings us to now? Yep. And how long have you been in Taipei? Um, I think like 15 to 18 months now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So let's calculate, let's, let's total them all up. You know, English, you know, uh, what Spanish, you know, yeah, I know Spanish, I know Russian, I know Russian. Uh, Japanese, Japanese, uh, which I randomly decided to learn in Prague it was the first language I taught myself. Um, and Chinese. And now I'm getting into Persian. Chinese and Farsi. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Is that six? I'm thinking it's six languages. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't wow. count them. Wait, so when did you learn Russian? Uh, I actually decided to do that, I think, yeah, so it would have been January, and then I then I got really serious about it last March. So oh, I've January been doing 2015? It. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that was, that was kind of instrumental in your becoming an iOS developer, right? So you yes. decided January 2015 you wanted to learn Russian. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always loved Russian literature. And, of course, you know, when I was in Prague, um, all of the stuff with Ukraine was going on. So I was constantly hearing about Russia and in the news. Um, and I just, I love the way it sounds. You know, I never really have a rational reason for learning a language like, hey, this is going to be useful. It's always like, hey, I'm obsessed with this writer in this language and I want to read them in the original and it sounds pretty or it looks cool. And then it wow. just kind of flowers into an obsession. Okay, so you're learning Russian. Uh, you dedicate yourself full time or more seriously, at least in March. Mm-hmm. Swift has been out. Yeah, well, did you because you said you learned Objective C. Right. So when did you kind of poke at that? Because January 2015, Swift has already been out for maybe a year and uh, uh, what's that? a little over. How much is that? Yeah, like over a year, mm-hmm. right? So, when did you poke around with Objective C? When did you look at look into that? I mean, I, I think that I did it for the first two months because I was going off of the resources that Aaron Parker, who is the CEO and founder of Spitfire Athlete, um, she had a link of resources that she used to teach herself iOS development, and she was kind of like my model. For, for getting into iOS development because she had taught herself and 
you know, she didn't have some fancy computer science degree. So seeing her do it, I thought, okay, I can do this. So I just followed uh, the resources that she had used. And then I realized, oh, you know, Apple kind of has like a new language out. I should probably uh, learn it. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Is there uh, like a link? I've never heard of Aaron Parker. Is there a link you could share with us uh, later that I can include in the show notes for this uh, Aaron Parker Spitfire athlete? Like, this is interesting. Yeah, sure. Heard of um, I could actually send it to you. It was her personal website. Like, I, I had done some digging after reading an interview with her. Oh, you interviewed you interviewed her? No, I was reading an interview um, oh. with her. Oh, and I, I found her personal website, and that's where she had the sort of breakdown of how she oh. learned iOS. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's March. You're learning Russian. You had already had a little bit of experience um, with iOS development. Wait. So what was the the original reason? Like you 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 read this Aaron Parker interview, or you saw her her you know you you learned that she went about you know, learning iOS development, even though maybe that's not what she does. How did you originally find that and, and decide to learn Objective-C? Like, why did you do that? Because I, um, I think I may be getting a little confused with the Russian, like, part leading into making that app. Was there something before that, like... No, uh, I mean, I, I came across uh, Aaron Parker and the whole Spitfire athlete um, thing when I had decided to, to create my own app. And I was just looking for... Uh, I guess a model to follow. I mean, that's what okay. I always try to find whenever I'm teaching myself something like someone who's okay. already really experienced with it, who can kind of give me a roadmap so that I don't waste time, like right. spending hours on the internet looking for things. Yeah, no, I totally understand. I, I don't know if I really had a roadmap. I did, you know, use some resources that helped me out a lot, but mm -hmm. I actually put a, a sort of not a roadmap, but something that I think is kind of like a guide to help people. Uh, and that, that's online. So I know exactly what you're, what, what you mean. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Up until that point, then you have really no programming experience, right? Like same with me. I, mm -hmm. I started looking into it January, 2014 and it was objective C and I was like, this is hard. Flash forward <laughs> a year later, January, 2015, Swift has already been out for a while. I'm like, okay, this is it. And then I've been doing it ever since. So I feel like we're very similar in that way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, up until that point, you just you said you had a little bit of experience with Code Academy, right? Yeah. So what what's going on in your head then? It, it, it's like you just want to make this. You're just kind of fearless. It sounds like you just want to make this product, and you're like, well, let me just figure it out. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it being fearless. It's just kind of like you know, being sort of hyper logical. I guess it's like, okay, I want to build this thing. This is the thing I need to use to build this thing. Let's do it. And, you know, of course, it was really hard because Objective-C is a nightmare. Um, but I, I assumed that it was going to be difficult. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. So I just, I guess I was so focused on, like, um, you know, building the app that I wanted to build that um, I wasn't thinking about how difficult it was, I guess. So what was, like, the first thing that you you did to like get going to, to, to just start doing it. So block had like this game where you could learn objective C. And so I, I did that first and that was kind of fun. 
And then I wanted to get a little more in depth. So I, I got the big nerd ranch books, which, um, Erin of course had recommended on her website. So I started going through those and you know, was it just, was it just like similar to what you had already been doing? You, you know, at this point you already know maybe three, four languages. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it kind of just similar to you in that way or was I'm assuming there was a little bit of differences, but like, was it kind of similar? Like your experience with just picking up and learning languages, did that help? Um, I think so. Cause it taught me how I learn. Um, right. so I learned that when I was learning languages that I really like to spend a lot of time on fundamentals and that if I spend like two times the amount that most people spend on basic things, like, you know, I don't know, maybe the, the Japanese alphabet or something like that that having that solid foundation would then allow me to uh, pick up other parts of the language very quickly. So when I started with iOS development, I was kind of taking that approach, even though everyone was telling me like, oh, just build stuff, which is like the most useless advice (laughs) you you could ever get. Um, For for your learning style, or do you think in general? I mean, I would definitely say for my learning style or anyone who, who... learns in a linear sort of way they like to go step by step that that's just not the approach to take I mean I did push myself to try to apply what I was learning in like little mini projects but I mean even with Swift now like I'm you know still just learning very slowly and right like foundational things I mean even me I'm doing that as well but my learning style is very practical I have to see it in context and, and build something. Okay. And then now I spend a lot of time learning more of the fundamentals, mm-hmm. especially through my meetup. But yeah, for someone like you who needs that foundation uh, to begin with, that, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the other things that you remember, you know, just given your, you know, your experience with learning languages? Again, I, I use the word kind of fearless, but maybe for you, it's just like you have the mental capacity and the know-how and and you you just yeah you just go for it what were some of the things that um because you had learned these languages in the past um still just made it made it easier i mean i think just um especially you know like i said japanese was the first language i taught myself and you know even though it has an alphabet or rather two alphabets i mean it's it looks completely foreign obviously when, when you're getting into it. And so just getting kind of comfortable with symbols and symbolic thinking um, right. and, and just different grammar structures and structures in general, I think getting really deep into grammar helped to right. where, you know, when I got into programming, it didn't look nearly as intimidating as like a book in Japanese. <laughs> so... Um, I could kind of get past the frustration of, oh, my God, this looks really weird. Oh, my God, what is this doing? And just kind of relax and be like, okay, it'll make sense eventually. I just have to hang on. So. What was the most difficult part? You know, I think for me, I could understand, like, all the different parts of syntax and I could understand, like, conceptually, like, the MVC pattern. 
Okay. But taking all of that and then like actually applying it to a project, like that was the hardest thing initially. And even now, sometimes it's just kind of like, I understand this. I could explain it to someone. I could probably teach it to someone. Uh, and yet I am not applying it properly. Um, or you think you're not applying it properly. I, I mean, maybe, but it's just, there is a huge gap from like going through the, the big nerd ranch books, like even with Swift or big nerd ranches, iOS programming book to actually like building my own stuff. And a lot of times, like if I would give myself a week off, like the information would just leave my brain. Um, right. So that was kind of frustrating and it sometimes still is frustrating, but I've, I've learned to kind of adapt, I guess. How, how do you adapt? How do you overcome that? Um, I'm not as afraid of like, for some reason, I had this idea when I got into programming that, you know, if you have to repeat exercises or if you have to repeat concepts, then you're just like dumb. <laughs> but then I, I thought about my experience with language learning and I was like, you know, I have to repeat stuff all the time or I'll forget right. it. You know, that's normal. Um, and so when I, when I thought about language learning, I was like, okay, well, it's normal to maybe have to go through this chapter three or four times before you understand it, or maybe to have to get the same information told in a different way, like on Treehouse or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there's that. Okay, so I want to get into more specifically about Swift and and what you're working on right now. Is it you know, specifically relates to iOS development. But before we do, I want to do two things. I want to know at this point, what is iOS development to you? Like what is programming? Is it a hobby? Is it a job? Is it a passion? Uh, you know, you kind of just fell into it just like me in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's, it's now a passion. Mm -hmm. It's also a tool that I hope to apply to, you know, what it originally was. You know, a tool to apply to create my ideas, but now it's like really become a passion. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's different for for every people, you know, everyone. But I wonder what it is for you. I would say that you know it's something that is growing into a passion, but it's it's still not at the level like where languages are for me. Right. And I'm just you know kind of telling myself every day that it will get to that point because when I when I first started getting into languages, like I hated it. I had to make myself do it. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of at that turning point with, with iOS development where it's like, I know that this is becoming a passion cause I feel compelled to do it every day, but it's still kind of at the point where I just see it as a tool. Right. Um, and I see it as like a barrier between me and my ideas. So I'm trying to change my, my thinking with that a little bit, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see it turning into a passion and that's where I want my career to go. Um, oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So the second thing I want to do before we transition is to just mention that the last meetup I had, uh, Learn Swift LA, was amazing. And thank you to everybody that came, and especially Hi for leading it, because he showed us how to uh, do full stack Swift, how to build a server you know, on our Mac in Swift. It was cool. We used IBM Kit. Yeah, <laughs> we used IBM Kitura. And 
Yeah, it was just awesome. It wasn't, you know, it was just dummy data. I think it just said hello world. But we, you know, typed in, uh, it was a local host, you know, address. I'm not really sure exactly mm-hmm. what that means, but it was like a local host address, you know, in the web browser, went through the web browser to our to our Mac and the Macs, you know, served up some data, which was just a string. Um, and it's just super cool. And I'm like, I'm really excited. I'm learning that because I feel like since it's one less thing I need to learn, like a new language, mm-hmm. I'll get to learn a new application mm-hmm. with the same language. And then that might allow me to be more comfortable to learn another language where I can build like really robust servers of things. But who knows? Maybe by then you could just do something really awesome with Swift. So anyways, thank you to Hi. Thank you to Opods. Thank you to Learn Swift LA and all everyone that came. It was a huge meetup. It was like 20 of us, which and it's a weekly meetup. We meet every Wednesday. So that was really awesome. Next, uh, the next time we meet, he's going to show us how to you know, build the client and actually pull down that data. And then we're going to, after that, then we're going to deploy it to an AWS like server backend type of thing using Docker. I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm super excited to find out. <laughs> so, Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, super cool. So, all right. So let's get going to the more meat and potatoes, uh, iOS development, Swift, all that good stuff. So you said that when you first started learning, you uh, picked up a couple of different things. You used Aaron Parker's guide. You you said you mentioned the block. What was the block? Um, block is actually there. They provide like um, online boot camps, but that's oh, okay. actually not how I, I found them. I found them through this game. It was like um, recreating Tetris or something. Um, with Objective C, I can't remember exactly. Everything is such a blur. But yeah, I use right, that right. that game. Okay, and then Big Nerd Ranch was the Big Nerd Ranch book in Swift. Um, I did it both in Objective C and in Swift when I made the transition. Wow. So when Swift came out, was it even on your radar? It, it came out uh, Jan- June two thousand fourteen. Was it, I mean, you were probably, you know, knee deep in a bunch of languages. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, so. I, it was not on my radar. I mean, I saw like an email from Apple about it. Oh, and I was cool. like, okay, you know. <laughs> so, what, so when was your sort of first, when did you first hear about Swift? When did you first sort of start looking into it? Um, I think it's, you know, when I started becoming a little more active on Twitter, um, I, I started following Natasha the Robot. And of course. How did you hear about her? I, I, you know, I have no idea, but I'm so glad that we found each other because she is like <laughs> the coolest person ever. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah. Um, she, like, I owe a lot of my career to her already because she, um, you know, invited me to the TriSwift conference in Tokyo, which right. was awesome. And now I'm going to be speaking at the TriSwift conference in NYC. And that's that, so you awesome. know, that occurred just because of like Twitter exchanges, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, so I started following her, and of course she was talking about Swift all the time. So I decided, okay, I want to know what this is about. And then I got into Swift. So I so I guess I get into things because of like people. Oh, I'm like that for sure. I joined a band because my friends were doing it. <laughs> um, what else? No, I, I know exactly what you mean. So how did you first go about? learning it was it big nerd ranch you just picked up the big nerd ranch book or did you start reading the swift book someone like you you know you're very foundational Mm -hmm. maybe you read the book um i can't remember exactly what i what i did first i think i started with a book oh yeah and then i got um app coda's swift book which i really liked um 
just because, you know, it was the first one that I used where you're like building one app okay, throughout cool. the entire process, which I really liked. So I finally got an understanding of like how to break down different parts of like building an app, um, which was good. And then I started using Treehouse, which I absolutely love. And I've heard of Treehouse. I haven't really seen any of their materials, though. They're really good. And I was surprised that I liked it because I, I normally don't like videos. I prefer okay. books. It's like, just give me the information. <laughs> um, I get very, like, auditorily overwhelmed. And, of course, because I'm learning all these languages, like, for some reason, I just automatically tune out English. Um, so I was kind of concerned about my ability to learn with them. But it worked. And now I'm using NS Screencast. Which oh, I, I absolutely heard of that. love. I love it. I learned all about text kit today. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. That's for like ma manipulating lots of text? Yes. Or? So you can customize text, important. highlight text, like do little animations with text. It's like perfect for someone who, you know, is building language apps, obviously. So for you, do you just watch whatever videos NS Screencast does, or do you are you the kind of person that kind of goes after what you need to learn for your project and you learn that, or? Um, it's a little bit of both. So usually I do like one a week, like I always one NS NS Screencast. Yeah, so I do that. Um, but you know, with the text kit stuff, like I I went back through their archives and I I found it because I I needed to address a problem with Russian Q and A with one of the sort of uh, reading exercises that I had in a lesson. Couldn't figure out how to manipulate the text. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of both. So Russian Q&A is the, is that the first project you, like, would you say like real project that you started working on, like to, to actually execute as a, as a full app that you were going to release into the store? Yeah. Okay. So then you're, you're learning, you're, you're, sort of applying your knowledge here and there in, in smaller projects, but Russian Q&A is like the first one where you're like, okay, let me let me put all this together and make something. Mm -hmm. And, and okay, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably going to take at least another six months to ship that one. And I think that's why I started, you know, Kanji Circle because it's a, a smaller project. And I have this, the latest project that I told you about earlier, Language Hunt, is even smaller. So, right, I, so, I, so I think I'm it. learning how to kind of not take on more than I can handle. Wow, that's a really good, really good point. And a few people have told me that actually start with something small and put it out there. I still haven't put anything into the App Store. I'm working full time as, I, as an iOS developer. So I think because of what some other type of skills that I have, maybe I was able to get a job, mm -hmm. even though I have nothing in the App Store. But I tell everybody you know, by the end of your, maybe your first year, I think is a good kind of timeline. Mm -hmm. You should have something in the app store if you want to get hired. You know, they're all looking, all the employers are looking for something in the app store. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I've heard that a lot from some people. They're like, just build a little weather app or just build this yeah. little thing that does one little thing. And just to have that experience in, I tried, I tried building a little weather app and I was just like, I don't want to build another weather app. It's because you, yeah, you don't care. Like people told me the same thing. It's like, I don't, but I don't care about this. Um, care about what exactly? I mean, like, I don't care about the weather. I don't check the weather. So yeah, why yeah, would I? There you go. 
<laughs> Why would I want to build a weather app? Yeah. Okay. So then let's let's uh, talk about Kanji Circle because I'm pretty sure I looked when I first found out about you. I was mm -hmm. looking at all the things you were doing, and I thought Kanji Circle is actually out there already in the app store. Yeah. You know, I was supposed to release it before the TriSwift conference, and I was like you know, busting it to try to get it released. And then I got the flu and then all this oh, no. other disastrous stuff happened with my family. And, you know, I just decided, okay, I'm just going to go to the conference and have a good time. And, you know, of course now people are getting a little impatient. They want it to be out there, but you know, I, I, I don't just want to put something out there. Like I want it to actually be good. Right. Yeah. Right. How was the TriSwift conference? That was in Tokyo, right? Oh, it was awesome. How did that come about? How did you end up going and, and what was it like? So um, Natasha Murashev puts out a newsletter every week, this week in Swift. And I was right. browsing through that one day when I was trying to wake up. Um, <laughs> I think I had like a Saturday morning class or something that I really didn't want to go to. Anyways, <laughs> so I, I saw her announcement. And I was like, I have to do this. And I, I sent her a message saying, hey, like, I really want tickets, but I, I don't think that I can do it until the end of January. And she was like, because she's awesome. She said, oh, I'll just give you one. Um, so Instagram had, had sponsored a bunch of tickets for women in tech. And so she decided, oh, wow. hey, you seem like a really cool person. So you can you can come. And so my ticket was free, which is amazing. Um, and I met so many amazing people there. It was an awesome experience. Was it very far for you to travel from Taipei to Tokyo? No, it's only two hours. Nice. <laughs> so how long was the conference? Was it a whole week? Um, like it, four days it was three days. Okay, cool. Yeah. And of course, I was sick at the time. So I, I missed a lot of the talks like in the morning that I wanted to see, but I ended up seeing like something like 20 talks, um, which isn't bad. And it was awesome. It was like my brain was on fire the entire time. So you fly to Tokyo, you're, you're staying at like a hotel or something? Yeah, I stayed at a hostel. Okay, cool. And then what's the day like? You wake up, you go to the conference. Where is it? What time does it start or what time do you get there? Yeah, so... <laughs> well, well you I, said was, you were I was sick. really sick I was yeah really you said sick. you were sick no I understand but I mean I just want to know like what was it like so where was it and what was it like yeah so the time I, I would wake up would be you know it varied um but you know I, but you I but would... you also say Taipei Taipei is like a late city anyways you told me that so you're already used to like well like, Taipei is like that and and Tokyo is definitely like that. But for the people oh, at the conference, okay. you know, especially like Natasha wakes up at, at like five o'clock in the morning oh or something. That's so Tim Cook time. <laughs> so it started pretty early in the morning. Like I think the first talk was like at 10 um, or maybe You 11. were in REM. You were deep in REM. <laughs> yes. And so I would get there like at around 1.30 or 2 nice. and then it would go until... Um, like I think 5.30 and then sometimes there would be events afterwards or people would just want to hang out so you know it was like an all-day thing definitely. Did you meet some other cool uh, female iOS developers or or you know? Oh my developers? god yes. 
Like who? I need to meet these people. <laughs> I need to get them on the show. So uh, Kate Huston was at the conference who, you know, I've been obsessively following on Twitter. I love like, especially her rants about like hedgehogs and owls are pretty awesome. Um, Noble Khan, there was Ayaka Nonaka. Sorry if I'm missing, mispronouncing people's names, but she was there. She, she was like one of the main speakers, yes, right? Yes. Okay. Um, God, there were so many. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. And what was like the energy like? Um, it was a super like supportive environment, which I have to admit, I was kind of intimidated, especially reading like the bios of the speakers. Like I before f- you got there. Yeah. I was like, I have, I can't believe I'm going to this. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to hold my own and in, in conversation. Wait, did you go anyone. as a speaker? No, I mean, I, oh, okay. I just went as an attendee, but even like just attending it, I thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to understand any of this stuff. Right, the doubt. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually pretty awesome because, you know, even like the top-notch developers there like made a point to make their presentations really accessible. And so even right. with topics like more advanced topics like protocols or networking, like I could I found myself being able to follow it, which was a huge sort of confidence booster. Um, and, you know, everyone was so supportive and just excited to, to meet another person who is into Swift that, you know, it was a great experience. So everyone, mostly everyone was like that. Like when I think of the kind of the rock stars in Swift these days, you, know, right. you have Natasha and like Jesse mm-hmm. and... Um, Ash. Maybe like Ash, yeah. exactly, and the 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 Japanese uh, female person's name I I don't remember. You Ayaka just said Nonaka. Ayaka, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I think she's kind of like it seems like a rock star. Yes. So even like these people were very down to earth, friendly, like excited to meet you, mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was surreal uh, because I was not expecting for it to be like that at all. Especially because you know a lot of times you hear sort of anecdotes about programmers and just how sort of like um introverted <laughs> not no socially social challenged <laughs> okay so i have a i have a theory on this because ios um, ios like the, the operating system the iphone mm-hmm. and ipad etc reaches so many more people than the pc did like the mac mm-hmm. and, and windows um, you have so many more people that are interested in programming, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, probably it's more diverse of a, of a population of people. And so it's it's and then because Swift is so much more accessible, and I think iOS development is way more accessible than others mm-hmm. platforms, probably, um, except maybe the web. I'm not sure. Uh, the it's just more diverse. So you have people like, I mean, I, I don't know if this sounds weird, but people like me or people like you mm-hmm. or people like you're mentioning who don't fit that, and who knows, maybe that stereotype is just not true, Mm -hmm. but um, there's probably some truth to it or else it wouldn't be a stereotype. Um, Does that make sense? So there's just a wider range of people interested in it, and therefore they're just more diverse of a population, which is exciting. Yeah, and I also think because, like, iOS is so design-driven, you get, like, there are a ton of designers at the conference as well whose main job is to do design, but they also, like understand Swift development. So 
Um, I think because of that, you get people who maybe have more soft skills, I guess, or maybe a background right. in the humanities, like deciding to get into programming. Like one of the girls there had actually, she was on track to become like a psychiatrist. Wow. Um, and then she, she switched gears. So, and there were a ton of people like that at the conference, which was really surprising, pleasantly surprising for me. What were the attendees like? Were they mostly from Japan or were there attendees from all over the world? Uh, attendees from all over the world. Wow. Yeah. Mostly like that side of the, the globe or? No. Um, so wow. there were Americans, Canadians, Germans. Wow. Um, people from all over the place. And of course, you know, lots of Japanese as well, but. Did you guys get together or did Natasha organize some kind of like after party oh, yeah. every night? Or yeah. Tell, tell us about that. Um, you know, I went to the little beer gathering at the end, uh, which was super fun and mingled for a little bit. But mostly, That's you great. know, after like the conference, a lot of times if you met someone cool, you just go hang out with them. Yeah. More like an intimate, smaller mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. That's great. Who, who, which talk if at all, and which speaker, if at all, do you remember the most that kind of was your favorite talk or your favorite speaker you connected with or you learned the most from? That's a really hard question. <laughs> Are there any that kind of come to mind? Um, Chris's talk on protocol-oriented programming, definitely. Um, Ash's... Chris, what... What's Chris, uh, Chris's last name? Chris Eidenhoff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's also, he's like a swift genius. He's, he's he amazing like and he's so nice. He's so nice. He lives in like Berlin or Germany or something? Um, no. Let me check. I thought he lived somewhere in Europe. I feel so like bad Europe. having to check this, but. No, but no, I, 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 always, I never knew how to pronounce his, his last Chris name. Chris Eidenhoff, he, I think. Yeah, and he, I think he writes for Object CIO or Objective CIO. Or yes, I have that. his Advanced Swift book that I'm going right, through now. Right, Advanced Swift and the functional programming mm -hmm. with Swift. Yeah, so he's like a Swift genius. Yeah, his talk was amazing, and he is in Berlin. Um, okay, cool. So I'm just now starting to get into the more protocol-oriented programming. Mm -hmm. and I create my own protocols here and there because it's it makes it really easy to... Um, have like a stronger typed, um, uh, how should I say it? My code can become more strongly typed if I just easily, when I just kind of make a little protocol. And then also, as I, I mentioned before, I'm learning dependency injection. And I guess um, dependency injection and protocol-oriented programming go, go really well together. Mm -hmm. So um, so he, even his talk, like someone like him, who I would assume is just like, you know, like, a genius even his talk was approachable yeah it was actually the, so the first talk that i had watched that made me like understand what the deal was with protocols and how useful they could be and i think it really sort of um stuck out to me because i was building kanji circle at the time which the core of that is the table view um and because he was applying it to table views it was like okay i i understand this confusing thing now so right it was in context mm -hmm. for you and then so you also mentioned ash you you remember his talk yes just because like he's another person who i expected you know 
this person's amazing. I've been reading their blog and trying right. to understand the amazing, brilliant things that they're saying. And he just had a super simple, like, streamlined talk on Artsy's approach to, to testing that was really awesome. interesting. Um, yeah. There are so I'm many, now, though. I'm just now starting to learn um, testing and, like, test driven development. I have to actually have to write my first... Uh, unit test and first UI test mm -hmm. as a part of the dependency injection thing I was mm -hmm. telling you about uh, this weekend for uh, for an assignment. I'm sort of like a side thing I'm working on. Okay, cool. But so I think maybe uh, this is kind of how I'm I feel about it because I relate to what you're you're saying in a way. I think at least in the states I've kind of grown up with this idea of like celebrityism, right? And like mm -hmm. rock, we even I even use the term rock star when talking about these Swift rock stars and. And along with that, it's like I've been sort of programmed to think that like celebrities are out of reach and that they they might be kind of mean and they're divas and stuck up. But I think it just doesn't apply here. And, and based on everything I'm hearing from you and from others, it just does not apply. Um, yes, they might be these rock stars or celebrities in sort of our small little world, but they're just normal people and they're they're super, super awesome and super nice, it sounds like. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that the best developers, like, don't have an attitude, um, and they're not, um, they're not condescending, because they're very secure with, like, themselves, so they don't need to put down other people to make themselves feel better, and, you know, people who are kind of newer will sometimes have that chip on their shoulder, or that attitude. Yeah, I, I think I've, I probably have. I could relate to that. I might have done that before because mm -hmm. I'm I'm self conscious. You know, I'm starting out. Right. Yeah, I, I understand that. It's good to know though that like because I think one of the main things, and I try to I try to get this across uh, in the podcast and in my meetup is like the community that we are a part of, the, and it's a new community. Um, you know, it has a legacy because of everything before it, but it's a new community, and and like so, it's a community that we're creating every day together, mm -hmm. and I think it's so important that it's, it's a very welcoming, friendly, encouraging, just awesome community. Because mm -hmm. if it is, then we're going to attract more and more people and we're only going to be pushing each other forward. And it's just, yeah, what, what do they say about um, tides lift all boats, rising tides lift all boats mm -hmm. kind of a thing? Yeah. So I'm really glad to hear that from you. Yeah, I mean, the, the Swift community, like I, I went through this phase where um, – you know, because of this, this person who reached out to me on Twitter, um, who, who wanted to hire me as a developer for his company and he was working in Xamarin. So I started getting into like C sharp a little bit. Okay. Oh my God. C sharp programmers <laughs> are the worst. Oh no. <laughs> They're such jerks. And oh no. I completely lost interest. And, and C-sharp and Xamarin just because of, like, how much contrast there was with the Swift community. It's like, you know what? I'm going to stick to iOS because, like, if I'm going to be doing this for 15 hours a day, like, I want to be surrounded by people who are cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, like, I, I don't know, those people that we mentioned, they seem super cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a – I want to meet all of them. I want to hang out with all of them. That's cool that she that she put that together and brought all these people together. I mean, that's like, that's it's amazing. 
yeah, that's it's not happening anywhere else really, except maybe Dub Dub, but that's that's a whole other thing. So tell us about you. You mentioned it briefly, but Try Swift NYC is actually one of your recent tweets. Um, mm-hmm. April eighteenth, you know, you said you're so excited to be speaking at Try Swift NYC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're actually speaking this time. Uh, you were attendee in Tokyo, but now you're speaking. Tell us about how that happened. Yeah, yeah. So Natasha sent me a message, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to speak at the conference uh, and teach us how to learn all of the languages?" And I couldn't believe it. Um, and so of course I said yes. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's New York City, which is polyglot heaven, and it's Tri Swift, and this awesome person is asking me to do this thing. So, and so, so she recommended the the topic. Yeah, I mean, and and she's not really like there's no call for proposals or anything. It's not really structured. She just invites people who she wants to learn from, right. and so it's awesome. still very um, open. Like right. I'm, I can completely decide what I want to talk about. Of course, it's going to be language learning related, but you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. She's kind of just getting all of like the coolest people mm-hmm. in Swift together in one place, and then everyone else that's just really interested in the language and the people get to just see them and hear from them and learn from them and meet them. It's awesome. Yeah, she's she's a master of like bringing together people for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So are you just now starting to formulate your topic a little more or can you share with us a little bit about that? What you're you know, talking about or it'll, is, that, is that secret? It'll probably be an extension of a talk that I gave for my group Language Tech Taipei, um, which was about designing language apps and how to approach design of language apps. Um, although, of course, because it's the Swift conference, like I do want to get into some more technical things. Um, right. So... You know, it's kind of in the back of my mind, but because September is kind of far away for me and I'm focusing on all these projects that I figure it'll just kind of um, develop itself. So Try Swift is in September? Yes. Do you have a link where people can buy their ticket, like through your link or something like that? Um, yeah, so if you click on the at handle um, on my tweet, it should lead you to Try Swift NYC. And it's just, I think it's just, TrySwiftNYC.com. Okay, so that's that's the link people should go to. Yep. Okay, cool. So we didn't really get a chance to talk uh, about that. You mentioned Tech Taipei, so that's a meetup that you are a part of that you organize. Um, it's one that I started. Awesome. And you know, I I know a lot of language instructors here, and I know a lot of developers. So I decided that I wanted to bring them together, just because I think that the way most companies approach language apps is kind of problematic. So I wanted to get people who are interested in kind of critiquing the way language apps are approached and who want to build something better. Um, so, so if someone is in Taipei and they're listening right now, well, should they come to your meetup? Why should they come? What would they, what would they get out of it? I mean, I, I think that if you're really passionate about languages and you're, a developer or a teacher who's considering becoming a developer and you're interested in language apps that you have a lot of opportunities to learn about how to approach design, how to, um, 
build something quickly. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, we're, we're running short on time. We're kind of technically already going over, but I just want to ask you, how do you go about building a language app? Like, do you just copy, like translate the Russian dictionary no. from oh, like, God, the paper no. dictionary into <laughs> Swift? Or like, how do you do that? Because you have to have the language, right? So right. is there some API or how do you No, do no, no. <laughs> so all of the content that I'm developing uh, for Russian Q&A and also Kanji Zirpol is, is from scratch. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, it has to be that way. Like if you're, if you're telling people, okay, you're going to have a hundred lessons, each lesson is going to be 10 minutes. And by the end, you're going to be conversationally fluent in Russian. Most of your time is spent figuring out how to structure those lessons. And of course I have this rule where like, I hate flashcards. And so I don't want my app to have any flashcards because that's just lazy learning. So there's like right. no review feature. Everything sort of builds on what came previously. I see. Yeah. So designing the curriculum takes a very long time, of course. Wow. And then, you know, I figure out the design of the app and I play around with that in Sketch. And then the actual development comes into play. Wow, I really did not think that you were going to say, yes, I'm just translating like the whole Russian dictionary into the app. I mean, essentially, you're not maybe not doing the whole dictionary, but it sounds like, I mean, yeah, you're creating the curriculum from scratch. You're not pulling in any data from anywhere, really. No. Wow. Oh, God, no. That's, a, that's a big, that's a big uh, task that you took. I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge. And I don't think I, I realized how involved it was going to be. And if course because I'm a teacher you know I'm really hard on myself about okay is this effective which I don't think a lot of companies are are asking themselves a lot it's just like is okay. this an effective way to learn yeah it's like we'll just have them repeat this a million times and then somehow it'll come out in conversation you know um it's it's definitely a challenge but it's something that I I feel like I'm passionate enough about it to where I can stick with it for a long time. Oh, wow. Natasha, thank you so much for, for coming on. We are over and so I have to, it's the sad end. I mean, this could go on for, for a long time and who knows, maybe we'll have you back on. We'll catch up sort of reconnect after a little while, but where can people contact you online? If at all, of course they can contact me online. That's where I live. (laughs) So, um, best place would definitely be Twitter. I'm yeah, yeah, I love Twitter. Yes, I'm at Natasha under dash Nazari. Um, cool. So, send me a message. It's where yeah. I basically live. Yeah, yeah, and I tell people too, and to do the same, and some people do, you know, and but I feel like we can't stress it enough. Like, just message us. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And but I, I feel like I should probably take some of my own uh, my own advice because sometimes I'm afraid to contact some people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that I want to get in touch with. <laughs> I, you know? I know that feeling. <laughs> okay, so before we go, one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Go. Take it slow, uh, and and don't listen to the developers who tell you you know you should be shipping something after three months take it slow focus on fundamentals and give yourself at least 
six months to a year before you decide that it's not for you because you're going to have moments where you'll think that you're like the stupidest person in the world, but eventually it gets easier. Beautiful. Such good advice. I relate to that in so many ways. Definitely take it slow. You have to give yourself the time and space to to learn and to figure it out. Be patient with yourself. And I didn't realize it was a passion until, man, until I would say to the 10th month. I got to spend yeah. like full time all day, every day just coding. And I was like, yes, actually, this is for me. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I, I thought it kind of was, but it I still had that doubt. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't something I can do. I'm not a developer. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you're totally right. Give yourself that time. Wow. Thank you so much for that. All right, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the show today, for sharing your story with us. I mean, wow, you went from, you know, from the States in Atlanta, Georgia to Prague to some rural city or town in China, I think. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, uh, Chongqing. It has 30 Chongqing. million people. Uh, oh, that's not small. So it's not a little town <laughs> Or maybe, maybe that's small for China. But yeah. uh, okay, okay. It, it sounded like it was. Okay, then back to Prague, then to Taipei, where you were na- you're, you're there now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be speaking at TriSwift NYC in September. I mean, it's just really awesome story super inspiring keep doing your thing and yeah thank you so much for for being you Uh, thanks for talking to me i really enjoyed it and that's the show ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoyed listening to the swift coders podcast feel free to share the show with a friend leave a review on itunes or recommend us on overcast if you have any questions comments or just want to say hi contact me on twitter Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.